All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again for another episode of Reflections with Dr. Gary Harvey. Today is the 27th of May, 2020. And uh, normally, you know, we run through the usual, uh, you know, shout outs for the businesses and everything. And the love's all still the same. Uh, but we're going to jump right into the episode tonight. We have a, uh, a guest with us, Black Silhouette, uh, my good friend Shamik uh, from uh, uh, Long Island. And uh, I'm going to let him introduce himself here in just a minute. But before we get started, as always, ladies and gentlemen, mirrors have three purposes to show you who you were, to show you who you are, and help you become better than what you started. So let's go ahead and take a look at the man in the mirror, take a look at this reflection and see if we can become better than what we started today. Shamik, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Really glad to have you. Appreciate it. No problem. So, uh, you know, tell tell the people a little bit about yourself. Well, I grew up Staten Island, New York. Um, Got saved at 10. I was a Muslim before I was a Christian. You know, my name's Shamik Hakeem Jones. No. You know, (laughs) so it's like, you know, it started off in the Nation of Islam when I was a kid. Got saved at 10. Um, Went to church majority of my life. Park Hill, Faith Christian Center. George Samuel, the pastor. He's going on to be with the Lord now. Um, Probably from age of 10 to right before I came to Bible College where I met you. So I've done like inner city ministry, you know, was born was born in Park Hill, um, which Wu Tang's from. My church was in Park Hill. Um, all right, all right. Moved to West Brighton, then eventually to Harbor, then Toad Hill before I moved off to Staten Island. I lived on Staten Island 25 years before I left. So basically I became a Christian worker as a teenager. Okay. And so started playing music in church, started doing a lot of things in church. And then felt the call, you know, really I had a vision at the age of 10 about, you know, from God about what I was going to do with my life. You know, I left my first church. Um, we went um, a few, we went to a place in Brooklyn for a while as a family. Then my brother-in-law started Keyword Ministries. Brother-in-law, Pastor Christopher Quady. He's down in here. Well, I'm in Delaware now. He's in Delaware here, too. Yeah. Most of my family is, except for my brother, immediate. And so, went to Bible college. Came out, you know, came out of Bible college. Came back to New York. Um, went back to Keyword. Been through a few churches. Worked for some big churches, small churches. Um, did volunteer work at Anchor House in Brooklyn, which is a Christian rehabilitation place. Okay. Um, and a lot of ministry, a lot of outreach, and then, you know, rap, youth, children's church, working in children's church. I couldn't, you know, my friends got to help in children's church first because I was bad. <laughs> I, not gonna, not gonna front on that. But basically, You know, most of my church experience was urban until I went to Ohio. Okay. That was my first taste of what I, you know, the other side. Then the I've worked, side. I worked a few things. I worked in ministries local. Right now I'm in a church where my mother's the pastor called Speak the Word Christian Church. There's a lot, there's a lot in between there 
I've done a few albums, do a lot of engineering production, went to audio school before I came to the Bible College Institute of Audio Research, which just closed down a couple of years ago. I've run the, got my audio training, went to NYU for like two, by a year and a half, coming out of high school. Went, I've been in Christian school since junior high. Okay. And so that's pretty much been everything, you know, lived in West Virginia, um, served in a church up there in a house of prayer. Um, did a lot of things, you know. Um, the rehabilitation program was really heavily funded by the Methodists, so I've been around a lot of different, um, different, you know, denominations. You know, I really I'm all about, you know, if you're doing it for Christ, you know, if you can look past the labels, I can look past the labels. You know, right. let's just no, find no. something. Let's just find something to agree with. So, still do ministry. Still, you know, do sound reinforcements. For churches, I um, I haven't. I got sick in 2015. Um, coming off of working for a church, trying to go work a regular job, and then I had a big, the big a big health issue. And so this is you know where I am now. Um, okay. Coming off the health issue, uh, just getting back. There was a time you know I used to play out at Ohio when I was working at this church locally here for about five six years i really wasn't in the music anymore i had stopped playing i play a little you know i didn't lose it completely but you know how it is right. you're not really doing it so, right right so wasn't sharp anymore so those are the you know that's just a quick you know summary background right right and you've been doing uh, as far as music's concerned both uh both christian and secular right yeah lately um I'll talk about this because this is important. Okay. Basically, I grew up with in a place where they were narrow-minded, so doing secular music was not, you know, it was it was frowned upon mm-hmm. because you know the traditionalism and stuff. So in New right. in New York, I ghosted a lot, and I'm okay. not going to talk about that because I can't really right, talk right. about I, that. I, yeah. So I did a lot of ghost production and things because you know really didn't want my mom to know I was doing this stuff. <laughs> you know, my mom, mom's strict. She, my mom don't play. Right, right. Okay. Like even her ringtone to till this day is Law and Order. Boom, boom. Oh, da, okay. Da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, my Duke ain't played. Like my mom scared potential girlfriends away just by her presence. Oh. <laughs> okay. My mom don't play. So, um, you know, you know. So basically, I've been doing Christian music. And I kind of felt limited because you, you know how it is. When we grew up, we had different genres in Christian music where you had more expressive. Now it's going to, for better or worse, for whoever's opinion, this is just how it is. Um, right. We may talk about this another day. It's kind of narrowed back down. Because, you know, 80s, you had Sandy Patty and stuff. But the urban scene's always been different. But, you know, the mainstream, yeah. you had Sandy Patty, Lawn Well, Ohio. you had that whole, you had in the late 90s, I'd say late 90s, early 2000s, you had a real, like, traditional hip-hop push. Right. In Christian music. Like, you had, you know, groups like Cross Movement coming out, and they had that Wu-Tang feel to them. 
you know, with the individual artists and then coming together as a group. And then you have artists like Urban Disciple, BBJ, right. uh, you know, and coming even, out. And even before that, you had people who had moved to California, like Soup the Chemist, Dynamic Twins, and all of them. Yeah. So early 90s, you had those. But that was when it wasn't accepted yet. Right. And so, right. And then sometimes you heard the N-word on the albums. Occasionally it was thrown in there. Yeah, like the Gospel Gangsters first album. Um, yeah. Um, rest in peace, Mr. Solo. That just happened this week. And so, and so it's like, you know, then you had DC Talk, because you had the rock movement. The rock had done that in Christian music in the 60s and 70s. So then right. you had the urban explosion. Then you had the rock, the urban explosion. Then you had groups like DC Talk that went from the rock to the rap, but still kept the rap and started yep. doing the artistry where you were just combining things. Mm-hmm. The church was going somewhere musically where it was becoming genreless, and then somebody had to shut it down because they didn't like right. it. But that's a whole that's a whole nother. That's another that's another episode. So this so <laughs> me in the middle of this, you know, I come back from Harvard. Cause I played and stuff, but I really wasn't trying to do nothing. So I, um, 2005, I make Majestic Instrumental. 2006, I make my first album, Just Dirt, which is, it's on iTunes. It has a later date on iTunes cause I put it up. It was released okay. digitally on Snowcap, which doesn't exist anymore. That and Majestic. Majestic, okay. I'm, Majestic, I'm working on a new version of it but I'm not remaking the album I'm just making an album now and I'm remaking a lot of the songs but with new cuts because it's Majestic's 15th anniversary this year okay and so then Dirt came out 2006 and then 2015 there's a big gap because you know a lot of things happened between 2006 you know my mother had a Christian school so that ends the church ends I moved to I'm West Virginia. I'm doing the prayer thing, playing and stuff, but I'm out working on albums. I'm recording stuff in the house. Then I come back to Jersey. Then I end up in Delaware. So a lot of that stuff that from that time, from 2008 to 2014, ended up on Set Me Free for Myself, which I dropped 2015. Okay. I dropped that. Then I get sick. So I have to cancel. I couldn't tour. I couldn't promote it. Mm. And, you know, it is what it is. You know, God knew, you know. And so, then, it, you know, this is four years ago. It wasn't well received because it was contemporary. Mm -hmm. And, you know, right now, if you're doing church music, it's worship. And it's not worship that's for everybody. It's three, three to four chords. One four five, what we call one four five music. Yep. Right. You know. Very quick. And so, so I'm in West Virginia, and God wakes me up in the hotel. And Black Silhouette wasn't the name yet. He just shared the thought with me about these songs. Because mm-hmm. in 2008, I got a prophecy when I was somewhere. I have it. It's gonna be the next Cinemascapes album, it's the intro in fact. Okay. And so, he was showing me how to, how I can, you know, because I still write, I write songs for church and worship stuff. I'm still going to do that. 
but then he showed me about the music that you know I just felt I was neglecting artistry because mm-hmm. I always wanted to be an artist but you know I grew up with the thing you know and it's, yeah. and it's like okay then you st- you know somebody was like if you're gonna go secular blah blah I said then you quit your secular job and they you know they didn't like it right. I was like if these dudes are out there working providing for their family and they're not doing anything against God ain't nothing wrong with a fun song or a clean love song if if, right. if you ain't cussing you know right. to each their own you know I don't know how that's gonna go because everybody has their own way of thinking when it comes to that but I'm like quit your secular job so I do a lot of production engineering behind the scenes work for people like I like to work with indie artists who don't know how to put their albums up and things like that I hook, okay. them, I hook them up with their accounts hook them up with the publishing and stuff you know there's a lot of tools for independent artists right now so that's what that's basically what I do now and that's okay. what, and then I teach people how to do stuff and it's like I'm kind of not, I don't kind of work with everybody. It's like, God has to tell me to work with you. Because if I, if I just do it in normal services, I'll have to do things I don't want to do. And, I, you know, I'm too old for that now. I'm not. Right, right. I got you. <laughs> and, it's like, I got you. <laughs> and it's a lot of people who, who know everything about the business. And it's like, mm-hmm. okay, you know. So. Right. What? I know that you know you and I we've we've had this conversation before and you know I asked you to uh, join me on the podcast tonight specifically because you know with what's been going on specifically the last few days yeah um, you know but not just the last few days I mean you know years upon years you know one year after another there's all an issue here an issue there and I mean you know what is 2000 was it 16 uh, Gardner yeah um, yeah, you and, know, and, and, it's and that, essentially and was, the thing, and that's something yeah. that was personal because I knew him. I didn't know him as close as other people knew him, but we all knew. Him. We all knew him. Some people called him Big E. Eric, you know, we knew the spot where he was. Uh, it's Victory and Bay. That's like the center of Staten Island, and I didn't live okay. there no more. And when I heard that, I was horrified. That hit me personal, and I'll go there. It's like a lot of people I went to school with. Bible college was saying a lot of things. And the whole thing is I never said on I never said on Facebook that I first that I knew him, that I've interacted right. with him. We've done outreaches in that park with my brother in law's church. I got, you know, okay. pictures and stuff. Got pictures of him coming up, you know. It's just, you know, people around Staten Island who are known. Right. And if you grew up on Staten Island and you know about the police on Staten Island, I don't gotta say nothing else. <laughs> and so yeah. it's it's a lot of things that happened on Staten Island because you know Staten Island ain't like the rest wasn't like the rest of New York City till it got till the population started rolling in after I moved. Before that, okay. you know, black people lived in certain places on there, and like even like let's just say a neighborhood like Park Hill, Rosebank is right there, and on the edge of Rosebank was an A and P. And if you were black people going to the AP, which I used to go with my friends from their house to shop, you might be trying to run back to Park Hill from people from Rosebank. Gotcha. Because you're black. Right. And, and see, you know, that's that's one thing I wanted to have the discussion. I mean, you, you know, those those of you that, you know, you're 
friends with me on Facebook or interact with me on Facebook have seen, and I know you did today, uh, specifically the last couple of days, like I kind of, I kind of just took the muzzle off. I just, I, I was just like, you know, enough is enough. And it, it, it's one of those things where, you know, no, I can't say, like we were talking before, I can't say that, that I, I know what it's like to be a black man in America. I, I, obviously I can't, you know, I mean, clearly I can't, but in saying that, you know, my, my son, my son's mixed, you know, no, he's not dark skinned, but he's, you know, he's half Puerto, his mom is Puerto Rican, uh, you know, and his family and his features, you know, are what they are. And then, you know, people that are very, very close to me, my closest friends and, and people that I've, I've dated and, you know, people that I truly and sincerely care about, you know, are black and Latin and, and they live in these neighborhoods and these areas where they experience it. And, you know, I've been challenged before, like, oh, well, what do you know? Well, I know exactly what it's like to sit there with a young lady that I'm dating and because she's black and because I'm white, you know, getting the nasty looks from other people around us and hearing the whispers or, uh, there was an instance where I had gotten, you know, full disclosure, got pulled over for something. And myself and the young man that was in the car, the friend of mine, he's a black man. You know, we, we get pulled out and it's same offense. Neither one of us have records. Neither one of us have priors. We ain't got a jacket, you know, nothing. And, you know, it wasn't a violent offense. And I get this slap on the wrist warning and he gets put in cuffs and put in the back of a car. And the only difference in the situation was the color of my skin. And, and so I try to tell people and, and today specifically, you know, yesterday, today, been trying to really, you know, number one, bring it to light. Number two, you know, this thing called white privilege is, is real, you know, and, and I've, I've acknowledged it. And when people talk about white privilege, the first thing everybody wants to argue is they think it's some kind of financial or economic standpoint. And that's not what it is. You know, as a white man, I don't have to walk down the street and watch a woman clench her purse as she walks past me. I don't have to worry about like the, the young man, when we got pulled over, he got put in a cop car. I got, I got a warning and it was the same exact thing you know, that both of us, you know, had done or, or participated in, you know, I don't have to deal with those things. I don't have to deal with the fact that if I'm out jogging and I fit, fit a description, I got two nut jobs chasing me down with a, with a rifle. You know, I, I don't have to worry about if I'm in Central Park bird watching some woman trying to essentially tell me because I'm white, I'm going to say an African-American male is attacking me and threatening me and I'm going to ruin your life. Like, I don't have to deal with those things, but I acknowledge that it's there, you know, and, and if I can do nothing else, but bring awareness, then that's the first step for me. You know, I had somebody say to me, oh, well, you know, all you're doing is complaining on Facebook. Now, let me explain something to you. I met Aubrey, that whole situation wouldn't have progressed the way it did if it wasn't for social media. Mm -hmm. The situation that just happened this weekend in the park with the, the gentleman that was bird watching and the, and the crazy lady with the dog like that wouldn't have transpired the way it did had he not recorded it and posted it on social media. You know, so if I can use that platform to say enough is enough and bring light to where it is and then from there take it further, then that's what I want to do. So that's what's the purpose of tonight is. I mean, you know, the last couple of days. You've had a youth pastor that, you know, claimed he was kidnapped by black guys because mm -hmm. he got caught hair and didn't want to own up to it mm -hmm. when he got caught at the hotel. You had a woman in Florida that drowned her autistic son and cried wolf and claimed that two black men 
kidnapped her kid when it's all on video, her drowning her child. You have the woman with the dog in the park and the, I'm going to tell him that I'm being attacked and you're threatening my life. All, all false, all fake. And then you have the situation with George Floyd. You know, absolutely ridiculous what took place. And people are still sitting back and trying to make excuses for it. Oh, well, we don't know what took place. Listen, I don't care if he was swinging a baseball bat up to that point. At that point, he was handcuffed on his face and you were choking the life out of him. There was no reason for it. And so I want I want another perspective. I want to know that, you know, a number one, that, that I'm not crazy, that, that I'm seeing what I'm seeing. You know, and number two, you know, number three, the fact that I want to be able to, if nothing else, I want to, I want to affect change somehow. And that's, that's, that's really what I want to do because I can only speak to it from my perspective. I haven't lived it. Whereas I know from conversations you and I have had, you've lived it on several levels and in, in whether it's the church, whether it's, you know, on the block or whether it's on the job. You know, so I, I wanted to I wanted to get someone to give give another perspective on their thoughts with everything that's going on. Well, you know, you had the son, Sandra Bland, you've had all this stuff the last few years and it's just mm-hmm. it's been boiling. Mm-hmm. And, it, and really, I'll tell you, before I left this last church in Delaware, an incident happened. I didn't do anything. And so, basically, I had witnesses, too, say this lady was hounding me. But then I go in the room, and the church is like, well, you know how it is. You need to apologize. Apologize for what? Mm -hmm. I didn't even do anything. I, you know, and I thought about it. I did the service. And I said, I'm not apologizing for something I didn't do. Um, Other people saw that I didn't do it. And I left my keys at the door, and I left. Right. And it's like, why? And then you're gonna. And then if I would have apologized, they would have treated me like I did it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And and so, these are just normal things. Or, I have a degree in sound. I have a degree in a lot of things. And I was getting paid less than somebody who didn't even have credentials. Right. And so, you're dealing with all of this. And then it's like the drummer who was in, you know, the Christian drummer who was coming home from the gig and he got shot in his car a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, he didn't do anything. And where's the justice? It's like you have the thing, you have the firings, you have the thing, but nothing ever really happens. Right. To substantiate change. There's a standard where people get away with murdering black people. And I've had enough. Oh, they're fired. They should be in handcuffs. They should be prosecuted. Why exactly. if it was if it was me, if it was you, you know, if it was an average citizen, yeah. we'd be in cuffs right now. Right. If it was a black man, even if it was a black I believe if it was a black officer, they'd be locked up right now. Exactly. I personally agree with that. Exactly. And so the whole thing is there has to be an extra thing to push. Because a lot of these things, if they weren't videotaped, just like the jogger, it wouldn't have never happened. Exactly. And, and it's like and the friend thought. He was justified clearing his friends because that's the the mentality you're up against. Because you don't know if you're coming up against somebody, you don't know what their mentality is. So you have to be careful 24-7. You don't Mm -hmm. get to have peace until you're home. And then 
the man was home and then the cop came and shot him there. Mm-hmm. You can't even go home now. Right. And that it, it, it's it's ridiculous because you don't want to feel like this. Mm-hmm. But it's like and my thing is I'm going to say I'm going to just say it. I don't expect anything from the world. The Bible says the, the, there's nothing in the world but the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Mm-hmm. The world's going to be evil. Right. I know. I accept it. We know it, but we still fight for justice. We advocate. But the whole thing is, my problem is how quiet it is from the church. Now, I can't even say, I can't even say nothing because people did say stuff. On my timeline, you know, well, a, a handful did. You know, I, I'll, I'll say that a handful did, and I mean, I was kind of, I was kind of surprised the people that, that did, and I was, I was thankful for it. I mean, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Right. You know, I, I was, but at the same time, it's taken this long for a response to be made, and and personally, I only feel like a response is being made from some people because they think that's the expected thing for them to do. Not because they think there should be change, but because they think that the people expect them to respond. So in in that essence, just because you put a little blurb on Facebook doesn't mean you're doing anything for change. And it frustrates me to no end because for the last three weeks, people have been protesting about getting a haircut, about wearing a mask, about being able to go to a church building. But a man blatantly gets recorded being killed, a modern day lynching, and people still go, but what happened before the recording started? Like, are you serious right now? Right. You know, and it was this moment. This one was a nonviolent offense. He was and then he just said, I can't breathe because the dude went down on his neck for eight minutes. This and he, he continued. He continued to put pressure. Right. Like every every time, every time that George would say something. And, 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 and it's been driving me crazy watching the news reports because nobody wants to say his name on the news. It's just a black man. No, that's a father. That's a husband. That's a friend. That's a you know what I'm saying? Like and before he passed, he called out his mama's name. That was one of his last words. Right. Was calling out his mama. And it's somebody Stephen Jackson, the basketball player, grew up with. And, mm-hmm. and you know. You know, somebody people know, you know, he, friends, family. And that's the whole thing. And this is where Black Silhouette came from. Because you see me as a Black Silhouette, you don't see me as a person. That's why I wrote who I am. Because you're trying to define who I am. And that first song is a statement. You can't tell me who I am. Then I have a song called The First Silhouette. I'm not going to talk about it. I'm, I'm still writing that one. But mm-hmm. it's like, it's like the reality is, you know, you, you say something, but it's like two weeks later, who's going to really be doing something? Exactly. It, it goes away. And it, it's like, it's like the nagging thing. And then you get mad at Kaepernick for taking a knee, but this cop took a knee on somebody's neck. Kaepernick didn't And, and you know. Yeah, I was having a conversation with a couple of people the other day. Well, yesterday and, and today about that. And there, there's still they still found a way 
to shift the focus from the fact that a man was lynched while being recorded by a police officer. Now, here's one thing. I understand there's good cops, bad cops, 110%. Right. I understand because of the tension that's out there right now that cops are just as afraid as your average everyday citizen. I get that. But because they've taken the badge, they don't have the luxury to make simple mistakes. They, they don't, they're, they're held to a higher standard. They're supposed to be better. They're supposed to be trained. You know, oh, he was resistant. Okay. You're trained to deal with that. Especially if there's four officers there. If, if someone's resisting, you've been trained to address it to the fact where that person's still alive at the end of the altercation. And, and if you're, if you're not, like you, you just, there's no excuse for that. There's no justification for it. Right. And so we, we were talking about Kaepernick and, you know, him kneeling for the flag and it, oh, he's disrespecting the men and women that died for the freedom. Let's just stop. Wait a minute. And I said, first of all, let's, let's talk about a thing here. I'm a combat veteran. I, I fought for this country. I folded flags and gave them to family members of friends that I lost. And, and, you know, I've, I've done working with the chaplaincy in the military. I've done several military funerals, you know, and, and I've actually seen combat, unlike several, several veterans that came before me, they were blessed to not have to see combat. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that or they're less of a soldier or anything like that. It's not what I mean. But a lot of the men and women that died while wearing the uniform that died for fighting for this country, they were fighting for what the country is supposed to be. They're fighting for what it was supposed to mean and, and the rights that are guaranteed to each individual, to each person, regardless of race, religion, creed. The, and, and some of them, they didn't serve for any other reason other than they had to. They got drafted. They were avoiding a prison sentence. I mean, let's, let's be real about it now. Not everybody that serves in the military serves because they've got this desire to serve their country. That's, that's, that's the reality of it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Him taking a knee wasn't disrespecting the country by any stretch of the imagination or the veterans. He was taking a knee to bring that acknowledgement to, yo, this is what's going on. Like, we're not equal. Like, you don't treat us like people. Like, even this incident this weekend in Central Park, more people are upset that the dog was being choked than this woman was trying to ruin, than she was trying to ruin this guy's life. And, and, and I'm not saying that I advocate animal cruelty, but come on, man. Like, where, where's the priority? Like, you can already see who you and what you value more. And, and you don't view that human life as more important than that dog or more important, you know, and, and all these people crying about disrespect to the flag and disrespect to the country are the same people that will wear a T-shirt that's an American flag or a bandana with the American flag, which actually, if you really want to get technical, is a violation of federal law because the flag shouldn't be used as an article of clothing. Mm -hmm. That's actually in there. There's actually nothing that says you need to stand. So he kneels to bring that awareness and people still don't get it. People still want to try to twist. Oh, well, he was. No, no. For, he's kneeling because why should I stand for a nation that doesn't even recognize me as a person? Why? Then he got and, that from a veteran who said exactly. he was sitting before and the guy said, at least do this. Yep. And so. And so the whole thing is, a lot of times people don't want to believe or listen to something when it hasn't happened to them. It doesn't really exist. It's bullcrap. If mm -hmm. you're killed, 
The cops used to take the kids behind fine fair before it was the post office and beat them up. They used to take kids and drop them off on the white side of Staten Island and leave them there to walk home. That's reality. That's, mm-hmm. that's how you, you grew up. You got harassed. I went to court. Criminal court for a noisy muffler in New York City. Really? Yes. A noisy muffler criminal court. Because the three strike system was in New York. And they were trying to give me a strike. I still don't have a strike. I don't have a record. Got a traffic ticket, but don't got a record. <laughs> I think I think most of us have got them. You know, but, but I mean you know, but you that, know, this is you know, this is the pressure you live under every day. And of course, I don't speak for every black person because there as many people, there's that many different experiences. True. And, and so, exactly. and then there's different states, there's different things, there's different cultures, and then you know, I wasn't even in the South, you know, you know, mm-hmm. and my parents, my parents went through segregation. I can tell you, they've told me stories that made you know the hair on the, my back of my neck stand up. Unbelievable stories. And it, you know, you would you would think I saw I saw a couple quotes, and one was that you know being being a black man in America shouldn't be a death right. sentence. That was, that was, that was the first quote um, that really, really resonated with me. And, and it's, you know, number one, I can't begin to imagine what that's like to feel like everything you do is scrutinized and could be wrong. And if, if I get pulled over, is this the day I'm not going to go home uh, to, to see my family. And, and a lot of people, especially in like a small community that I'm in now, I, I'm, in, I'm in a fairly small community. It's predominantly white, a lot of really good people, but then there's a lot of, there's a lot of ignorance. And I don't mean ignorance as far as, you know, they're, they're just arrogant, nasty people. They're ignorant as far as that they don't know, they don't have the exposure, you know? So earlier today, when I was talking about some of those things, a couple people were like, oh, well, we should organize a peaceful protest, you know, show up at the cop station with with signs and and demonstrate. And I'm like, you know, I'm not I'm not trying to take away from that. But number one, in this area, what the majority of America experiences doesn't get experienced here, you know, not on the level that, that it is in, in most places, larger metropolises, right. you know, that type of thing. And so number one that type of action is only going to go so far because nothing's really happening here. Number two, and you know, my, uh, somebody close to me, we were talking about the riots last mm-hmm. night and today. And, um, you know, the first response is, Oh, that's not going to get anything done. And, you know, two wrongs and it's just going to make it escalate, et cetera, et cetera. And I understand that thought process, but at the same time, if we've marched, if we've picketed, if we've voted different people in, if we've had community meetings, if we've had, how do you expect people to react? No matter what they do, it's wrong. If, if they comply, it's wrong. If they resist, it's wrong. If, if they stay home, it's wrong. If they go out, it's wrong. If they protest, it's wrong. If they stay quiet, it's wrong. Like there's so much anger because the response is always, oh, well, there was something else that led up to it. We're going we're gonna to fire them. Well, what, what do you mean? You, you get to be fired for killing somebody like that's OK. And so so I completely understand the reaction that's happening yeah. right now, yeah. because 
when you and now granted there are people that are just there right. to destroy stuff there are people <laughs> yeah. that are just there they, they think it's cool they think it's the thing to do you know but there are people that are legitimately at the point like i believe it was malcolm x he said that you know america's the only country where you know it's a black man if you stop someone from putting a noose around in your neck all of a sudden you become the bad guy you know and i know i'm paraphrasing but you know it was something to that effect like all of a sudden you're the villain and all you're doing is trying to survive mm -hmm. you know and and for for people like myself it's trying to educate, but you can only educate so much, you know, at, at this point, it's like, okay, I don't, I don't have time to keep explaining it to you. I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't have time to keep explaining why black lives matter. Like I understand the, the thought process of, Oh, why do we have to see race? We're all humans. We all need to work together. Da, 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 da. I, I get that. I, I, I do. I understand it. And, and I'm not trying to take away from it, but until all lives are treated equal, clearly I need to remind you that black lives matter because the rest of this nation seems to have forgotten. And, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. You know, if right. that makes any kind There's of sense. some areas of this country that's completely exclusive. And it's like, I've gone to churches here in Delaware and, you know, it's not even that far South. And it's like, Oh, mm -hmm. are you coming here now? Oh, I'm just visiting. Then they're at ease and relaxed. And it's like, right. you know, some places, you know, the, because I'm not going to help them. The past ain't even going to talk to me. And it's like, mm -hmm. if you're experiencing this over and over again, it you just get sick of it. I don't care. I don't care. It's like last, you know, it's always, you're playing too loud. You're, you know, the something's always wrong it's your culture why are you so loud why are you this why are you that it, and mm. it, it, it's dismissive and it, it's totally not you know they it's total there is totally sensitivity and the whole thing is if i'm up here hooping and hollowing or if i'm killing an organ you love me but if i have an issue you don't want to deal with it and and so right. it's like right what's the point of me being here and and that's what and that's what I mean, you know. I've been writing for churches, ministries, people for the longest, writing for writing. But if you can't see this, mm -hmm. and if you can't, you know, if you can't see what this is, and you don't want to, I'm gonna park. You go find you somebody else. And and, and it's exactly it's, it's sad that it has to go there. But it seems like it's the only thing people understand because they don't want they don't want to come out of their par paradigm. The whole thing was Jesus was always moved with compassion. He always understood the situation. It's like the parable of the Samaritan. The person you least expect. Okay, if you're broke, if you need food or something, black people will always share, even if they don't have. Yeah. Time we'll all we'll all make meals will stretch the food and and the whole thing is yep. like you know my parents were segregated on they spat on them screamed at them they didn't come back with guns and shoot the school they didn't do none of that stuff you right. know so you know a whole more all dr king did was non-violent and we could do the right thing and what? still get dismissed 
and nothing. But it's like, then once you're violent, then you want to say, oh, well, you're violent. Then what is it? Because none of it gets your attention. Right. It's like you push me, you push me to the point of a reaction and then blame me for the reaction, you know, and and you you have that like I shared um, the uh, the shooting, the, the shooting at the church with the, the nine individuals were killed. Um, I believe the uh, uh, the shooter, his first name, I think, was Ryan, if I remember right. Yeah, Dylan Roof. I'm sorry. I don't know why I thought Ryan. Um, well, I was sharing that earlier and someone's perspective on that. And they essentially pointed out the fact they were like, listen, you know, he goes in, he shoots nine people and he's arrested he without incident. He. He. Yeah. You know, he um, is is walked out, not with excessive force, but excessive care. Whereas you have someone like George Floyd, who I don't care if he was resisting or not. At the point your knee was on his neck, it was uncalled for. There was no need for that excessive force. So, and somebody somebody was to the effect of, well, that's that's not a fair comparison because you know if he surrendered peacefully, and I said, no, 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 it is a fair comparison because clearly, even in a worse situation, these police officers can operate with restraint. And so they're choosing not to because of the color of the gentleman's skin. Now, I'm not saying every cop operates like that. You know, I'm not saying that. But in these circumstances, in this circumstance, that's exactly what happened. And and the fact that people can't acknowledge that, that people can't. Listen, I understand not everybody can change the world. I understand that some people, they, they wouldn't, like, I, I made a post earlier and I stand by this on everything that I love uh, on, on my son, that if, if I was, you know, within eyesight of something to that effect, I would physically do what I can to stop it, regardless of what the consequences would be. If that's jail, if that's my life, I mean, it is what it is, but I'm not going to watch another human being get squashed like a bug. I'm not, you know, especially if it's not warranted. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to do that. And I understand that not everybody has the intestinal fortitude to do that. Not everybody can can go to that extreme. I get that. But to be silent about it, to pretend it doesn't exist or to make arrogant comments like if you want to know what it's like to be black in America as a white guy, go to an all black church. Like some of the most ignorant statements I have ever heard. And they're made out of ignorance. They're made out of, I mean, unfortunately, I, I think a lot of people don't even realize the level of racism that they have within themselves. And that's why they try to make excuses. You would put up a post, um, something to the effect of, you know, you know, as a black man, I'm just trying to live. And everybody's like, but, you know, and it's, it's like, I just, I, I don't, as much as I try to understand the mentality, I don't understand the the let's try to justify it let's try to make it okay let's try to because you know i have friends i have a friend in california she she's got young boys and she's got to sit down with them you know periodically and make sure that they understand how to respond and cooperate and what to do and you know mama's got man being a black mother in this in this country has got to be something else right now I mean, that's a superhero on a whole nother level. You got to worry about if your husband's coming home, you got to worry about your babies. You got to worry about yourself just because of the color of your skin. And, and for those of us that want to do something 
but don't know what to do. What what can we do? How, how can we help? How, how can Number this white one, guy from New York help? It's, it's coming from the top, and the system's broken. It, it's it's systematic, and mm-hmm. and people don't want to acknowledge that because then they got to take a hard look at themselves. Really, for me, the last four years, I have been, you know, we've talked. I've been hardcore myself because a lot of things you don't want to see about yourself because mm-hmm. you build a picture of yourself in your mind. And you don't really acknowledge how you really mm-hmm. are. I'm not a perfect person. I got a temper. I used to throw Tonka trucks at my siblings mm-hmm. when I was a kid. <laughs> No, yeah. these are facts. But if I act like I never did that mm-hmm. or that anger's not in me, I'll never deal with it. And then it'll explode on somebody at the wrong time, right. which it has. Which it has. But the whole thing mm-hmm. is to make a change, you got to hold yourself accountable because that's where it is. You deal with a per- you deal with it. I deal with it on a person by person basis. And it's like, it's like when I don't want to deal with that attitude, like on Facebook, I block them. I just block it. You know, I always, you hear me, you see me, I'm having a block party because mm-hmm. I'm not dealing with that. I had one of my high school teachers. Well, if his parents and it wasn't that. You think black people at home right. teaching their kids go rob something. It's a, it's what, do, what are you thinking? You don't, you don't interact. So you make mm-hmm. an assumption. And that's the whole thing. Exactly. When you don't have a relationship with somebody, you don't really know them. You just when you when you're dismissive and you go to a stereotype about somebody, that's the worst person. And then you guys come together as a group with the stereotype because you this race and that race and that and the black guy's just trying to jog. He ain't even thinking about you. He's, he's staying in shape. And it's like, real talk, I got, I need to walk, but I got a treadmill. I don't even want to walk around my own neighborhood. That's me. Big, black, 300-something pound. And it's it's sad that it's, that it's like that. And, you know, I somebody was like, oh, well, Facebook, all you're doing is complaining. It's not helping. No, it, it's a platform that I have. And so until I don't have it, I'm going to stand up on that soapbox and I'm going to scream as loud as I can. I'm going to use the podcast. I'm going to because these things aren't right. These four officers, they shouldn't have been fired. They should be arrested. They should be brought up on charges. They should face some hard time, if not the death penalty. You know, and and the problem in, in my mind, too, the reason why some of these things continue to happen is because nobody's ever being held accountable. They're always being allowed to walk. There's always an excuse. There's always a justification. But if you flipped it, and if it was like if it was a white guy jogging and he got I don't even care if white guys gunned him down. But if it was a white guy jogging, it wouldn't have taken a month, two months. You, you know what I mean? And, and if you want to look at it, you look at statistics. You know, honestly, you have more uh, white folk on public assistance in most areas than you do black folk. You have more white folks strung out on some kind of drug or alcohol more so than you do black folk. You have. 
just as high, if not a higher unemployment rate. You have like there's all these different things that like down in Florida, when I was in Jacksonville, they periodically would do these like stings, you know, essentially for people committing like food stamp fraud and, you know, that type of stuff. And um, the majority of the people that you see get arrested, a bunch of white folk, you know, but the narrative is twisted that where it's there's such a fear and 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 a a misunderstanding and and i do feel it's been perpetrated and it's been forced and it's been manipulated but there's such like why like there's no reason like when you really look at it there's no reason to to look at a black man and think oh my god you know, I got to lock my car. I got to do this. I can't stop at this gas station. I got to go to the next one. Like just that foolishness. And, and until, like you said, until we can look at ourselves personally and go, okay, do I got these issues? Okay. Yes. No. If I do fix them, if you don't cool, move on. But you know, I can acknowledge, like I said earlier, I can acknowledge white privilege. It is what it is. There's certain things I will never have to experience just because I'm a oh, white man. Yeah. That's white I privilege say one more thing, in itself. You know, let's kind of wind it down. I've been doing this study. You see me use that word Christianese. When you go country mm-hmm. to country, Christianity has been so mixed with the culture of a nation or a country that people think that's Christianity. Mm-hmm. I, you know, a lot of people, I'm going to say it. I'm just going to say it. A lot of people don't even read the Bible. They don't know what the Bible says and they don't know it in context. And they'll listen right. to somebody Not preach true. something, which is out of their opinion or out of, out of political thing or patriotism that really has nothing to do with the Bible. And it's not just in this country. It's like they right. put their personal beliefs on there and then people walk out. Like, that's the Bible. And that's the biggest problem. I call it Christianese because mm-hmm. God will show me that. Because I had the, I really, after I got sick in 2015, I started looking at what I really believe. Why do I believe it? And did I study this? Or did I pick this up from somebody? And when I started reading the word of God, I said, that's not even in right. there. That is utter foolishness. And this is the whole thing. If you're, if, and you put your racism, across the pulpit, if you put your ideology, if you put your name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, money, financial stuff across the pulpit and the right. Bible doesn't say it, you're accountable. Because if the church had the truth, I mean, Jesus had to deal with this. Remember, the Jews didn't want to deal with the Samaritans. That's why he told them that mm-hmm. parable. Because there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. With us here in this country, in a lot of places, it's black people. Then it was Samaritans. And then it was another people. You know, you mm-hmm. history repeats itself because no one learns from history. No one goes to the Bible for what it says. If you believe Jesus Christ died for a person, would you treat him that, like that? Because number one, we're not getting a revival in the exactly. world unless the church starts to recognize this first. And that's the and that's the problem. That's, that's why right. I don't go hard on the world. I'm going hard on the church because you're the one responsible. You're accountable. You're up there teaching fluff, garbage, and singing kumbaya, and you, you're not even you're not mm-hmm. you're not even teaching true repentance. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna go there. Exactly. So how can I expect you? You can't be moved with it. You know, and people get mad, but the scripture says. If you hate your brother, 
you are a murderer and eternal life is not in I didn't say it. These are not things yep. I said. But if I'm reading the Bible and I see that Jesus oh. said this, and this is what God says about it, and you and that's not what you practice, you're a fraud. Well, you know, it says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So, exactly. you know, how how can I treat you less than a person? You know, because I'm going to love you as myself. You're no better, no worse. You are equally exactly. as important to me as I am to me. And, and that's why, that's why, you know, going back, like I said, you know, it, the, the counter of, oh, well, why has it got to be Black Lives Matter? It needs to be all lives matter. No, you know what? Yeah, all lives do. We're not saying that they don't. But clearly, you don't realize that black right. lives fall into the word all. Mm -hmm. And so we have to remind you that black lives matter. Because every time this happens, there's an excuse. There's an issue. Yeah. And honestly, I'm tired of it. And I'm not even black. And I'm tired of seeing it happen. I'm tired of my friends having to deal with the frustrations and anxieties that they do. I'm tired of these preachers not saying anything, not doing anything. And these white preachers talking about they have multicultural churches. But when it's a multicultural issue, they're silent. Like enough is enough. Something's got to change. And it's right. got to be more than just pickets and signs. It's got to be a right. true then, change within a community. If you get a change in the community, if you change the hearts of men, then you get these guys in, into government and stuff. Then it changes. You know, the church is going to fluff. The country is going to fluff. And everyone wants to point at each other, but it's right. everybody. It's not just the, it's just all fluff. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's like a soggy marshmallow. And everyone's blaming everybody for the marshmallow <laughs> being soggy. No, it got wet. <laughs> Your wood is wet. Mm -hmm. And and that and you know, yep. the biblical analogies are just they're just coming and it's like and it's like I'm upset because I'm grieving because it's not only that, it's people I know, what people are experiencing, and then stories are coming out of everybody what they've experienced. And how many of us have hit these stories? Because yeah. We're scared. We're this. We're that. What was it? Uh, was it Will Smith that said racism isn't getting worse? It's just being recorded. I mean, if I had a phone on Staten Island growing up, you know how much yeah. stuff I would add? You can't. The only reason people are right. addressing it because it's in your face and you can't say it's not. And even with it recorded, they're saying that. Ice Cube made a song in the 90s called Who Got the Camera? about Rodney King. And it's him getting pulled over by the police just getting beat up. Yep. And then and the res the resolve in me as mm -hmm. a kid, I felt this. The resolve says it don't matter if you got a camera. And the song is who got my nine? Who got my nine? Y'all done did it this time. And then ex expletive who got my nine. <laughs> you know. Right. You know, and I, I definitely I definitely don't want to see I don't want to see it go from violence to violence to violence. Like I, I don't, I don't want it to continually to get worse, but at the same time, I think that people that have a platform, people that have an influence need right. to try to do something tangible, whether it's, whether it's constantly throwing it up in people's faces. Cause you know what? Eventually people, you, you can't ignore it forever. I'm sorry. You can't. And that's what people are still trying to do. People in communities where they're not seeing it, they, they brush it off and they wait for the next news report, you know? And so if I got to be that guy, 
to remind you, hey, this is what's going on and enough is enough. And if, if you don't like it, if you don't like my stance on it, hey, you ain't got to be around me. You know, and, and I don't care if you are a friend, family, an associate, it, it doesn't matter to me. Like, and I don't believe, like politically, I don't believe all Republicans are racist or all Democrats are, listen, some are very sincere in everything that they do. But if you can sit back and be silent on this issue or act like it doesn't exist, mm -hmm. then yeah, I am going to start to question it a little bit. Mm -hmm. I am going to be like, all right, what's really going on? And, and I've, I honestly, I'm kind of surprised at some of the responses I've seen over the course of the last few days um, and who they've come from, both good and bad, you know, and I just want to be able to make a difference, you know, and I don't want to be able to make a difference because, ooh, look at me. I want to be able to make a difference because I know my friends are tired. I know people I love and care about are tired of having to live this life, and I'm tired of having to watch them live it. And if I can do anything to help change, um, I'm trying to be there, you know. So that's anything pretty, else before we much, uh, wrap that's up? pretty much it. It's like, it's so much. I don't want to even, you know, because there's also layers to a lot of things that people don't understand. And it's like, you just want them to get a basic awareness of what thing, where things are going and what they really are. Because the whole thing is you got to find a point of agreement to begin expressing what this is. And then, Gradually, because right. it's a lot, and it, it's like somebody didn't believe it, so they rode a car with me, and we got followed by the police going to our friend's house on Staten Island. Then she was all in shock because they don't mm -hmm. think it happens, but it happens. And I was like, "Oh, they're following me," and I knew it. And they saw me; they were going to mess right. with me. Then they saw her, then they backed away. And that's you know, mm -hmm. yeah, it's definitely, definitely agreed. It you know, I think. Myself right. personally, That's I think the got, first step is getting people to even acknowledge somewhere. that it's happening. And and a lot of people, mm. you gotta acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. It's just like even, it's even like anything with Christianity, you can't teach anybody about Christianity till they acknowledge Jesus. Right, right. No, definitely. Yeah. Why well, I appreciate it. I know we could keep talking and talking and talking no and talking about this, but uh, Shamik, thank you very much. I definitely uh, um, you appreciate could it. Look up um, where can they check your music out? It's on Spotify, iTunes. It's a single. It's called Who I Am. My Christian music is under my name, Shamik Jones, S-H-A-M-I-K uh, Jones. Um, there's instrumental albums. Um, oh, I forgot Hands On, but it's an instrumental album. That it's there. Um, Hopefully, okay. working on getting some stuff out this year. I had time. Did <laughs> lots. Awesome. We're definitely looking forward to it. I, again, I really appreciate your time and and everybody. Thank you guys for joining us. I know it's lengthy, um, but it's it's definitely a, a topic of conversation that that I feel is is very necessary to to discuss. To be very candid about um it's not comfortable it forces us to look at ourselves and our shortcomings and you know if we want to try to change it we we have to acknowledge it first so but again thank you guys for tuning in Shamik. thanks for joining us and uh, with that being said you guys we'll catch you next week on reflections with dr gary harvey check out the website www.drgaryharveyjr.com and as always i'm praying for you y'all pray for me god bless